0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest Royal Roundup from Talk TV. So pop the kettle on. This is the Royal Tea. I'm Sarah Houston. On today's show, we'll be discussing the King's 75th birthday celebrations, including a special video message from Montecito. Was Harry kept in the dark about his grandmother's health in her final hours? And we'll be diving into the last season of The Crown. Joining me to discuss all that and much more, our royal commentator and Talk TV regular, Afear Hagen, and Hello Magazine's royal editor, Emily Nash. Hello to both of you. Hello. Now, the King has celebrated his 75th birthday by helping to launch a new food charity initiative. Joined by the Queen, the King visited a food distribution hub in Oxfordshire to kickstart his Coronation Food Project, which aims to support charities feeding the nation with unwanted food. Emily, what is this project all about? This is a a legacy project
2: to mark the King's birthday. Yeah, that's right. I think the King's really mindful that he's had a lot of big <coughs> public celebrations already this year, and he wanted something to mark his sort of joint milestone, the coronation and his birthday, that's actually gonna have an impact going forward. And it's a really simple but brilliant idea. It's basically supercharging these amazing food waste projects that are going on around the country to bridge the gap between waste, wasted food or food that's <laughs> destined for landfill and people who really need it. So, you know, there's sort of 8,500 charities and organisations who rely on um, food being donated from supermarkets. But what was missing was the sort of logistics mm-hmm. and basic white goods, if you like, to try and t- to marry the two up. Fridges, freezers, lorries to, mm-hmm. to exactly move it around. That. Yeah. So it's, be, it's a great idea.
1: Yeah. I mean, Emily describes it. That it's not rocket science. No, this, it's is it? It's common sense. Mm-hmm. There is food waste, some Mm -hmm. 10 million tonnes of food going to waste every year, and there's need, and bring the two together, and the aim is to make a massive difference, Sophia.
3: And actually, when we put it so simply, we think, why did nobody think of this before? (laughs) And that's what the royal family, the king, do best, conveners of people bringing together, people bringing together ideas. And actually, this also tackles the problem of food waste, which is an environmental issue that Charles has been really passionate about from from day dot and of course he's talked about the cost of living crisis you know he referenced it in his king's speech in christmas last year you know what people are going through at the moment with the cost of living crisis and so trying to do something about these two issues it's obvious it's really simple uh, and it's also brilliant so now you can have kitchens that can get um Frozen food, leftover from restaurants that can be made into soups, pies, other things, put in freezers. They can go to soup kitchens. They can be given out at food banks. It's a really, really simple idea. and Getting the logistics in place to do that is crucial. And it's great, actually, that the King used such a milestone birthday, you know, 75, to launch such an incredible and hopefully impactful project.
1: And the aim, Emily, was that there have been a lot of public celebrations uh, and big royal events of late not that long since the platinum jubilee although it feels like a lifetime ago doesn't mm. it of course we have the death of the queen and and then the coronation um to make this more about purpose rather than parties although there was at dinner for the king at clarence house
2: there was a lovely private party. I think we all wanted to know what was going on behind closed yeah. doors there. We saw a few photos of a glamorously dressed William and Kate coming out quite late at night. Um, but really, you know, I was told that the king wanted more than anything for this to be about other people. So he used his big day really to shine a light on things that really matter to him. I mean, if you think about the engagement they did in Didcot, it was food waste, it was food need, Mm. it was homelessness. You know, Mm. he had a a lovely moment of buying a copy of The Big Issue from a vendor there. Which ties in with Prince William's Absolutely. So it's really about them looking outwards. And then later in the day, as if he hadn't already done enough on his his special day, he hosted um, 400 midwives Mm -hmm. and nurses. Interestingly, all from the NHS, but largely also from other countries. And I think he's really using his position to just very gently raise awareness of things. You know, he Mm. has to be careful. People might accuse him of getting close to politics, especially, you know, there's been discussion around homelessness and politics recently, Mm. of course. Mm. But I genuinely think that this is with the intention of helping people and um, bringing people together and recognising people. And I think, you know, listening to some of those nurses the other day, the recognition um, meant so much to them. These are people who work so hard for us all and for them to Mm. be the spotlight of his birthday was a really big deal.
1: Yeah, and actually the headlines around the NHS aren't always positive and morale within the NHS um, can be pretty low um, at times, particularly at the moment. Mm. Um, And to have this celebration, because also celebrating 75 years of the NHS, a boost.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And also 75 years since the arrival of... Um, the Empire Windrush, and a lot of um, the people that were at the NHS uh, celebration are from that generation, are from the Commonwealth. You know, it literally have props up the NHS for the mm. 75 years that it's been in existence. It is great, actually, that the King took his birthday as an opportunity to honour these incredible nurses and midwives within the NHS. And also yesterday, um, the Queen had an event for women in the Commonwealth, again, um, <clears throat> recognising people from that Windrush generation and beyond who are doing incredible work within the Commonwealth. Now, we saw a, a family
1: album uh, posted on the royal family's ex-Twitter, I can't get used to it, <laughs> uh, account, didn't we? We also saw some photos uh, posted by the Prince and Princess of Wales to mark the King's birthday. <laughs> but what has got more attention is a phone call from California, Emily, from Prince Harry. Are we seeing... A, a thawing of relations?
2: Look, I think everyone's very happy to hear it. You know, who wouldn't want to have contact with their parent on on a milestone birthday mm-hmm. like that? And I'm sure that the king will have been delighted to hear from him. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you go back to spare, which, believe it or not, was at the beginning of this same year we're in yeah, now, yeah. which feels like much longer, two years ago, I felt that. <clears throat> Charles came across quite sympathetically, despite, you know, the various slingbacks that came from that book. There's, there was clearly a lot of affection mm. still there from Harry towards his father. And I think that letting it be known that this communication is happening is a sign, you know, that, that the, the, the ties are, are still there. And mm. needless to say, there's going to be a lot of work behind the scenes. Uh, needed to be done, but I think it's a good sign.
1: And as well as a conversation with Harry, it was reported that <coughs> the King also spoke to Meghan,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and a video message, uh, Prince Archie and Princess Lilibet singing happy birthday to yeah, him.
3: Yeah, and that's something that we're being told that Meghan organised, She had a chat with Charles about it, uh, and this video message was sent, and what grandparent doesn't want, a really cute video of, of the kids singing happy birthday, what parent has, hasn't has had to corral their children into doing such. It's always a lot Take of work. three. Exactly. <laughs> you can do it, guys. So I think that's lovely, you know, a really lovely present. And again, an indication of a thawing of relations. Like, we shouldn't expect to see the band back together and the three of them walking arm in arm through the gates of, you know, Balmoral anytime soon. But the fact that... Um, the, on this occasion, on Charles's 75th birthday, that there was a conversation, that there was you know, a video message sent, that there was communications. For the first I, time in months. in months. In you know, 11 months or something. Like you said, spare was only out at the beginning of this year, it feels like years and years ago. But the fact that we are here on this occasion, I think is great. But like I said, I don't think we can expect to see, you know, a great gathering anytime soon. But you just never know, do you? Because, you know, the news of this phone call and of the video being sent kind of came out of the blue. Christmas is coming. You just don't know, do you?
1: Just a day after news of this phone call, though, fresh claims have emerged from Omid Scobie's uh, new book, Endgame. Um, And this details a fear, um, the final day of Queen Elizabeth's life and suggests that Prince Harry was completely on his own. Just talk
3: us through what is claimed in the book. Absolutely. So, of course, like you said, this is Omar Scobie's book, Endgame, which is out in the next couple of weeks. And in this particular extract, he talks about um, that final day uh, when the Queen was burial and then passed away, how Prince Harry was trying to get in touch with his brother, Prince William, was sending him messages to find out how people were travelling up to Scotland. He heard that William had um, got a jet with his uncles, there was a seat on it, tried to get in touch with them to get on that, to see what he was doing. He was completely on his own, had to organize his own plane to go up to Scotland. There was delays with that. He spoke to Charles about Meghan coming. It was made clear. He said that Meghan was not welcome, uh, that Kate was staying behind to pick up the kids from school. And so he was delayed. At getting on the plane, and then, of course, the, the news actually came out when he was in the air. You've got no communications, of course, when you're, you know, how many thousands of feet in the air. And when he landed, he got a message from Meghan to call urgently and then saw the BBC News flash, of course, saying that the Queen had died. And it comes across, actually, in that extract that Prince Harry was literally completely on his own, but also that he was being ignored by his brother at a really, really, really terrible time in both of their lives. And actually that continued. You know, when he got to Balmoral, he was greeted warmly by Princess Anne. He managed to have some time with the Queen. She was still texting William, William was still not replying. And the next day he booked his own BA flight to, go, to come back to London. After texting William, sending a message about, you know, the passing of the Queen, still got no replies. And I think what we can really take from that extract is the relationship between Prince Harry and Prince William, was completely at an all-time low and that continues to be where it is now. Um,
1: Emily, (coughs) we know that uh, Ahmed Scobie has been very close to the Sussex camp and we know that in his previous book, Finding Freedom, Meghan eventually had to admit that she had cooperated in that book. I mean, the account that we've seen in this excerpt that was released um, on the US site People... Um, is very intimate in terms of what it tells us about Harry's feelings and exactly what occurred on that final day and even saying goodbye in the final moment, saying goodbye to his grandmother who had died um, some hours before. How will this be received
2: by the palace? Uh, Look, I think there may be some off-the-record reaction to it. I think what's really important to remember is we're only hearing one side of the story here, mm. and um, you know, following tradition for many, many years, the royal family are very unlikely to ever come out and yeah. counter this, yeah. because otherwise it's going to end up in a he said she said and once you start argument. And, and one thing I would say it. as well is that this isn't completely new material. Mm. A lot of this was written about by Harry himself, so there is that sort of the, the, the materials out there the palace didn't react at the time, you know, overtly. Nobody in the royal family has spoken about this. And I think we just need to bear that in mind. Mm. Um, we're hearing accounts from people very close to Harry and Meghan about what went down that day. I think it's fair to say, you know, when there's a death in the family, people aren't always looking outwards mm. and thinking about details. Like most of us don't have to organise a private jet, to be fair, when when this happens, but, um, there's another side to this story. Mm. And we're not going to hear that other side. I very much doubt we're going to hear it.
3: Although there have been reports that royal courtiers are furious at this story and furious at the the implication that Prince William ignored Prince Harry um, on this occasion. And that's probably all we're going to get, isn't it? And you have to just go back to that time Mm. uh, last year when just a few days
2: later, actually, both couples were together in Windsor and went on a walkabout. So there clearly was some communication Mm -hmm. Over that, over that period, at least.
1: And it's interesting because we, we talk about um, perhaps a thawing of relations between Harry and his father now with that phone call. I remember the moment those pictures came out of William and Kate and Harry and Meghan walking down the Long Walk in Windsor. And there was a real sense of hope, perhaps this huge moment in the life of the royal family could be a moment and a catalyst
3: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
2: I think that was very much um, about doing it for the late queen. Mm-hmm. Doing the right thing. Absolutely.
1: Now, the Prince of Wales is planning to take his annual Earthshot Prize Awards to China in an attempt to engage with the country and fast forward change to its environmental policies. He's going to visit the world's biggest polluter, despite severely restrained relations between China and the West. this decision, a marked contrast to the approach has been taken by mm. his father yeah. today, uh,
3: And, you know, King Charles has never visited China, never wanted to because of um, the human rights record in the past, does not want to engage. Uh, Prince William has vis- visited before in 2015. But I think if you are going to go down the route of trying to do something impactful and scale up when it comes to climate change, you have to engage people like China, India, America, Australia, all these other countries um, because you have China, which is like the world's biggest polluter of CO2. You have Australia, which is hugely impactful with their huge um, emissions of CO2 as well. And then you have countries on the continent of Africa who are feeling the effects of climate change already. You have to engage everybody in the conversation. So I think, yes, you know, it probably is a good idea to engage China in this. Um, But I think also, We have to, you know, when it comes to climate change, we have to realize that we are all in different stages. All different countries and all different continents are in different stages of that journey. So he has to be careful how he does it. Of course, like we always say, remaining apolitical when he does it. But the Ashok Prize is all about Being impactful is all about taking really good ideas, research and development into these different, uh, five different sustainable development goals and taking them to scale. And that's what's really important. Meanwhile, King
1: Charles is to hold talks with Arab leaders uh, this month to discuss a roadmap uh, for peace (coughs) in Gaza. He's hoping that his close working and personal ties to Arab royals might boost diplomatic initiatives. And he's holding bilateral discussions. Afia talked there about the, the delicate line uh, that royal family members need to tread on issues as significant as
2: this. What kind of role can the king play, Emily? it's about convening people. You know, quite simply, he's a sort of neutral figurehead who has relationships with all of these people. You yeah. know, over many decades, he's travelled across the whole of the Middle East. He knows these leaders personally. He knows them really well. And he is able to have conversations that politicians probably can't have at this point. Now, again, you, it's incredibly difficult, but using this soft diplomacy is so vital. You know, it, it's so important to our government. That's why the royals are sent on these trips mm. at the request of, of the British government. And going back, actually, I was on that trip um, to China with Prince William. Seeing him with President Xi is quite mm. a huge deal. Yeah. And it's 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 not a, a light undertaking. And I think it's something that the senior royals are getting to grips with really well, particularly William now in his role, he's really coming through as a sort of global statesman. We've seen that with Earthshot. Charles has been doing this for half a century. So he has the ear Mm. of the people who matter. And I think he can really influence people even in an apolitical way.
1: Mm. Meanwhile, talking about influence, the Princess of Wales has called for action at every level to help rebalance and restore society's social and emotional skills, as her early childhood foundation released new research on the issue. In a keynote speech at a symposium convened by Kate to discuss the findings, the future queen said, the skills are the human wiring we need. Um, Emily, you were at this national symposium for Kate's
2: Shaping Us campaign. And some very high profile support. Absolutely, for it. yeah. She had global experts in the room. She had professors from Harvard. She had former Prime Minister Tony Blair. She had Lord Hague. Um, some real heavyweights in this area. And she did really well. You know, she's a nervous public speaker. And she gave her longest speech to date. And I feel like her message is really starting to permeate now. Um, what she's essentially saying is that. We need to act now to prevent all these social problems down the line. It's something she's learned through her many years of you know, visiting people struggling with addiction, with homelessness, family breakdown, all of these things. Um, interestingly, Tony Blair was saying that no one's had uh, so much of a, a long-term view of things. And that's something that she's able to bring to the table. You know, She's not beholden to a political electoral cycle. Mm. She can see things uh, on a much longer term scale the most politicians can. And I think what she'd like to influence is some kind of consensus. There is cross-party support for, for what she's doing. Um, so that nationally we have some kind of framework for this that doesn't just last until the next election.
1: Yeah. And Emily mentioned there, you know, some of the causes that Kate has become involved in, mental health, addiction. Mm-hmm. She uh, famously took the visit to a prison mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year, which she referenced talking to prisoners, and, and in every conversation that she's had, it dates back to childhood. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the grounding of childhood and how that influences our outcomes later in life. I mean, this is described as her life's work, mm-hmm. isn't it, Afia? And we're seeing her very much more confident.
3: Absolutely. In what I, she's trying to do. Yeah, I think when Shaping Us was announced, people were like, well, you know, what is it? What is it going to consist of? How is it going to make a difference? And now we are kind of seeing that in action, you know, as she's talking about the skills that people need to develop when they are tiny to take them through to adulthood. You know, she was talking about her youngest, Louis, using a feelings wheel at school. He's been part of the research for the Shaping Us project. And, you know, they use it to describe how they're feeling today with different colours and helping children to communicate with peers, with adults, with teachers. And I think that's brilliant. But I think also is that this project, if it's her life's work, needs to really tackle the nuts and bolts of what parents say is is stopping them from parenting in the best way for their children And again, this is where the cost of living crisis will come up. How am I feeding my children? What am I feeding them with? The spiraling costs of childcare. You know, you've got some families paying 2,000 pounds or more a month for childcare. That's more than their rent or mortgage. These are issues that also need to be tackled. It's brilliant that we're tackling how children are feeling, them being able to talk about that at school, uh, with their peers and with their friends, like I said. But we also need to be able to help Parents parent better. That has got to be an integral part of shaping us as well. Now, The Crown. Sixth and
1: final season has been released this week. And as always, it has been making headlines with its dramatic plots and its fictionalised storylines at times. Um, We have all been watching, binge watching, the first four episodes that were released at eight Mm. o'clock this morning thursday we are recording at
3: this and um, let's get your verdicts so far afir what do you make of it there's so much i want to say first of all i will have to say elizabeth de becky is incredible as princess diana i mean she just she really is. is just mm. so believable uh, the wardrobe department of the crown absolutely nailed all of the looks in the outfits especially princess diana's i mean her um swimsuits that she wore when she was in Saint-Tropez, the outfit that we saw her in, the blazer and the, the trousers that we saw her wear on the last night, you know, the night that she died in the tunnel of, in Paris. I mean, honestly, along with Elizabeth Becky's acting, it's just incredible. I will say that always remind yourself when you're watching it, that it's a drama. We know there is lots of real life events that are being depicted. And I find myself watching it going, you're not gonna get away with that. And how did you manage to get that in there? But fear it's a drama. It's a drama. It's not real life. It's real life events within a drama. Just remind yourself of that all the time, and you won't get angry. The lines are really blurred, though. Very, aren't they, um,
1: Emily. Because when we talk about the, the way in which the costume department have created the exact replicas, of I mean, Diana's they've mocked outfits. up a
2: copy of Hello magazine. Diana appears to be yeah, reading a yeah. one. Yes, scene yes, and really yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, the the attention st- to detail the... is
2: extraordinary, and that yeah.
1: is why yeah. you can forget sometimes that this isn't absolutely an accurate historical account. Um, and there are some real there's some real
2: artistic license here there particularly some real... in some of the conversations that absolutely. take place absolutely i mean some of the imagined conversations i found myself slightly shouting at the screen mm-hmm. about um, but you know we're never going to know what really happened oh, no. in any of those i moments. mean one of those imagined conversations
1: is diana's final telephone call with william and harry who were at balmoral yeah and she called them from Paris. And we know from their account,
2: they they talked about having a rushed conversation. Yes, and Harry regrets not having spoken to her for longer Mm. on that final call. You know, he's written about it in his autobiography. So I think that's almost helpful in a way to have that knowledge that we have and go, okay, this isn't really what happened. Mm. Um, All that being said, I found myself in tears. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting it to move me in the way that it did. And I think that um we all remember those events mm. and actually what it did as well was bring back quite a few facets of the whole uh, period that mm. i I'd, I'd forgotten about
3: the music it, that they used in the music it the well. 90s music yeah fantastic. yeah yeah
2: um but also the coverage at the time mm. of this change that diana was going through because i do remember reports you know of her being called a loose cannon which seems incredibly cruel to think about now um, but she was obviously going through this huge change. She was so much in everyone's consciousness. And that's why, you know, August 31st, 1997 was just a huge shock to mm. people.
3: And I think watching it as well, even though we know what, what happens and probably because we know what happens, you watch it with a real feeling of trepidation. You do, because you, you, we yeah, know the outcome. Absolutely. And when you see the her saying goodbye to William and Harry for the last time as you they're know. driven off by their father, and you know to go to Balmoral. You know that's the last you time. You know it's the last time, and mm. and also the scenes. I mean, this is not a spoiler alert because we know this happens. You know the scenes where her and Dodie are in the car. You know, being chased by paparazzi. It, it, you, you do feel really. You feel was, the stress. Yeah, you do. You feel, do. You feel mm. it come across on the screen, and you mm. think, God, that must be must have been. So scary. For now, them. interestingly, um, because much had
1: been talked about when this was being filmed, how they were going to deal with the crash and the actual death of Diana, and and we were assured that they wouldn't be showing the moment of the crash, but would deal with it. Now, the very opening seconds mm. of the first episode are the crash, but we don't see it, do we? We just hear the sound of the car
2: crashing in the alma tunnel that's right i think it's a, it's a very clever plot device um, which we probably shouldn't spoil for people who haven't watched it yet um, but it's it's quite an elegant solution to mm. the incredibly difficult question of how do you possibly cover that and you know people will have very different opinions on whether it should have been done at all mm. i mean you can only imagine for members of the family this is something they probably won't want to watch. Mm. Um, I
1: I mean, as I sat watching it, I thought, imagine if you were William it feels Harry incredibly watching, intrusive. It does from that feel voyeuristic,
3: doesn't it? It does. It does, absolutely. And like you said, I think actually that this is where we can, whether you like the Royals or not, whether you want the story told or not, it's great television. It's high production value. It's very well done because, like you so rightly said, and you put it very well, the way that they have depicted the crash is a very elegant solution to a problem of how do you. Show this thing that we all know that happens without it being too voyeuristic, and without too it being too gruesome, yes. too morbid. It is done really well. And like I said, it, it's high production value. It's great television. There's some great performances by Elizabeth Becky and Dominic West. I think yeah. Dominic West's uh, Prince Charles is portrayed very sympathetically. Yes. Mm. Um,
2: I, I think yeah. that's important actually because a lot of people forget that they were on pretty good terms. You know, they were still that the war of the Wales is playing oh. out in the press but i think they'd they'd reached a sort of more amicable mm. setup by by the time that she died sadly That is all we've got time for this week. I know we could keep on talking about The Crown
1: uh, for a lot longer, but my thanks to Afia and Emily. If you want to join in with the debate, uh, please leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the first four episodes of The Crown if you've seen it. And make sure you subscribe if you don't want to miss a single episode of The Royal Tea. We'll be back next week with all of the latest on The Royal Family. We hope you can join us. See you then.